are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Dolphins. It's game day week three. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, and today's episode is brought to you by Visa. Help support your local businesses, whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops. Local businesses have always been on your team supporting you and your community. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be official partner of the NFL. We have the opportunity today to do a little bit of crossover work with Amp over at Locked On Jaguars to talk about today's matchup, but I wanted to set the table for everybody for Thursday night football. The Dolphins are playing in Jacksonville tonight, and oh boy, I'm anxious because I promise you, I will not have the takes that I had last Monday after the Bills beat the Dolphins 31-28. to That moment of frustration was largely because I expected Miami to be able to compete with the Bills, and an 0-2 loss was a big hit to the Dolphins' aspirations for playing relevant football for 17 games as it pertains to postseason play. That ship has sailed. I kind of think we're going to lose tonight. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised with a win, but I also wouldn't be surprised with a loss. And it goes back to something that I said earlier on uh, yesterday's show, earlier in the week. The Dolphins have to earn the respect. And the, the, the odds makers, this started as plus one or minus one for Miami, I think. And now it's plus two and a half on bet online uh, for this game. The odds makers and the, the bettors are favoring Jacksonville. And uh, the writing on the wall there is the Dolphins haven't earned anybody's respect. And Jacksonville, meanwhile, lost by three to Tennessee, and they won and beat the Colts in week one as a rebuilding team. They've got some really talented, explosive defensive players. Gardner Minshew's playing lights out. So are you going to continue to get Minshew mania tonight? Because if you do... Without Byron Jones, yeah, tonight might get a little weird for Miami Dolphins fans. I'm not going to sit here and, oh, woe is us. You know, the Dolphins don't care. The Dolphins need to execute. And the Dolphins need to come out in this game, and they need to accomplish a number of different things if they're planning on winning the football game. I think the first thing at the front of my mind when I think about this matchup for the Dolphins, what they have to do, they have to mix their coverages at a much higher rate than what they have through the first two weeks. The Dolphins had success playing coverage against the Patriots on the perimeter, but the play-action passing in the middle of the field killed them. Buffalo Bills, play-action passing deep down the field, killed them. You, you can't just play man-on-man with where this team is at right now because the rest of whether it's the pass rush install 
whether it's they don't have the blitz packages they need because they don't have the communication down, so they're trying to run it vanilla for whatever reason, they can't generate heat. And if you're going to ask guys to play man coverage for six seconds without a pass rush or without being able to blitz and force the ball out quickly and then rally and tackle, it's a bad recipe, as we saw last week. So the Dolphins... uh, they have to mix, even if it's zone intermixed with, like if you're not going to pass rush, you know, maybe rush three, your three or four, and you play man-to-man on the outside, and you, you mix in a little bit more zone in the underneath areas, and that can kind of help you with the scrambling quarterback. The Dolphins tried to do that at the end of the game against Buffalo, and it looked like Bobby McCain got nosy and dipped down on the game-winning touchdown for Buffalo on third and nine from midfield with four minutes left with the Dolphins down uh, four and a chance to get the ball back. So I think that's the right idea. Now, everybody's got to be on the same page. You can't get nosy and jump down if you're the single high free safety so that John Brown can run a deep post behind you. We can't have that. So that's now the challenge for the Dolphins. Play-action passing, the Jaguars have had a ton of success thus far this season. Gardner Minshew has hit 13 of his 17 pass attempts on play-action through two games for 168 yards and three of his six touchdown passes. We have to figure out how to cover the middle of the field, split the difference between the run game and the pass game versus just so much true cover one man. If the Dolphins can do that, I think the Dolphins can have some success defensively. Jaguars have some nice pieces. Minshew, like we said, was playing, has been playing lights out. But they don't have a 10 personnel grouping that's going to terrify you the way Buffalo's does. Where John Brown's your two, Cole Beasley in the slot is your three, and it's, it's like, man, like we got to have all hands on deck to cover these guys. DJ Chark's going to be a problem. Yes, he absolutely will. But the good news is Dolphins fans wanted to know after week two why Xavier Howard didn't shadow Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs is a very different kind of receiver than DJ Chark. And DJ Chark, I think, is the kind of receiver that the Dolphins can have success mirroring with Xavier Howard down the field. Big, physical, not super agile or shifty in short spaces. He's sufficient. He's a good route runner but he's not going to turn you inside out on whip routes and, and quick stuff at the line of scrimmage and cook you vertically uh, quite as potently as Stephon Diggs can. So I would look for Xavier Howard to match up with DJ Chark. Offensively for the Dolphins, you have to take advantage, in my opinion, of the youth, inexperience, and aggressiveness of this Jaguars team so this defense has a lot of young talent Josh Allen another Josh Allen not that Josh Allen thank goodness Caleb on chase on Taven Bryan Miles Jack has been around he's a little bit more seasoned but he's also been erratic and, and you can snooker him a little bit and get him out of position you know Ryan Fitzpatrick's not going to be afraid to throw directly at rookie CJ Henderson namely because Fitz has determined a lot of his pre-snap stuff of where he wants to go with the ball through two games based off me charting all the snaps for the Dolphins' offense based on 
the player he wants to throw the ball or the player he'd like to throw the ball to versus, oh, I'm not going to throw at Stephon Gilmore. Oh, I'm not going to throw at Trey White. No, he, he throws those guys. He doesn't care. So, like, he'll probably throw at C.J. Henderson a lot. But I think for the Dolphins, I like some of what they tried to implement in the screen game in week two. They tried a couple different screens. Uh, one of them, the ball was tipped. They did like fake jet to Jakeem touch pass, which they had run earlier in the game, and then they came back and ran a, a wide receiver screen behind that going the other way. I like concepts like that. They had another one where I uh, think it was, it was Austin Jackson just couldn't quite get there on the block, but they had something really big set up. They also ran a little tunnel screen to Lynn Bowden, uh, which I think has some potential. That play got blown up because Solomon Kinley couldn't quite get to his landmark and pick off that shooting linebacker that was buzzing. So if you adjust the spacing on that a little bit, maybe you reduce him to be three strong instead of the uh, second wide receiver that's more out towards the hashes. Give your chances better landmarks to hit. Those are the kinds of things I think you have to take advantage of how explosive and aggressive this defense is. They fly around. Okay, so let's invite them up the field. Let's not look to push the ball down the field. And we'll get the ball out of Fitz's hands, and we'll put that right behind those guys as they're rushing up the field. And now we've got blockers on B and C level defenders. For me, that's the ticket. I think that's what the Dolphins have to do a lot of if they're going to have offensive success. Ran a lot of no huddle. Wouldn't mind some draw action out of the shotgun. Lots of things the Dolphins can do, and I'm looking forward to seeing how it all materializes. Big game tonight. We're 0-2, looking to avoid the 0-3 hole. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service online for the last 20 years. So whether you're looking for new brake parts, taillights, new carpet, motor oil for your classic or daily driver. RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few easy clicks, you can get everything you need delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are the same for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit RockAuto.com for all your auto parts needs, and make sure to write on Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box, so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all of the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com Without further ado, let's transition into this crossover period. Let's hear from Locked On Jaguars, and we will tell you everything you need to know about tonight's Week 3 contest, Dolphins at Jaguars. As promised, it's a crossover Thursday. Uh, it's an I-95 crossover in-state. Uh, locked on Dolphins, Locked on Jaguars. Tony Wiggins with Locked on Jaguars. Kyle Krabs with Locked on Dolphins and a whole bunch of other stuff. I ain't going to start naming all the titles because if I do, we'll be here all segment. So, Kyle, what's on, man? How you doing, man? It's, it's good to get on the horn with uh, another one of these Florida teams. You know, we get a bum rap for being the Florida teams, but I'll be damned if we don't have some fun football. Even, even at a combined one and three record to start the year this year. 
I, I know it. You know, no, we ain't gonna put. We're not gonna do that. I'm not. I'm not gonna let you get away with that. No, we're one and one. You're zero and two. That's <laughs> we're one and one. You're zero and two. <laughs> we're gonna clear that up right now. No, but I'm actually. I'm glad you brought that up because I'm a little bit surprised. I'm. I'm actually. The way the season ended last year, and with the momentum that was coming into this season, and you guys getting to it, and it, it seemed like there was a sort of an uptick with Miami. I mentioned this yesterday. It was an uptick. There was more expected out of Miami. There was a little bit expected out of Jacksonville. I'm sort of surprised after two weeks that now that's sort of changed and switched around after two weeks that more people are disappointed in Miami and and people are shocked that Jacksonville is actually playing better. And the quarterback that we expected would be getting all of the attention. Uh, Tua isn't getting any at all because he's not playing and Gardner Minshew is making people forget about Trevor Lawrence already. Yeah, Gardner's been really fun to watch over the first couple of weeks. And, and I'll say this for Miami. I, I think the expectations, and Brian Flores was very clear at the beginning of the season uh, that this was not last year's team. And you look at the players that are now in place, and more than half of the starting lineup is new players. And, and turnovers, no big thing in the NFL. It happens to every team every year. But this is the second consecutive year that the Dolphins are walking in with between 50 and 60% of their roster not even their starters, their roster being players that weren't on the team last year. So amid everything that's been going on with the uncertainty of the season and and the amended training camp, I think the Dolphins have just kind of got bit early where they're still, they don't have the install in the playbook where ideally it would like, it would be if you brought everybody back from last year, because you have to start from square one all over again. So I definitely think that's a big component as to why, Miami has kind of traded places with Jacksonville, whereas Jacksonville playing like they got nothing to lose because they don't. And as somebody who sat through that season last year with the 2019 Dolphins, I got a great appreciation for the way Jacksonville's playing to open the season. It's amazing, isn't it? Coaches say it all the time, and we have to remind fans, and sometimes even in the media, we have to remind ourselves that football really isn't a sport where you pick up where you left off. It, it just doesn't work that way. You you actually, even if it's success or failure from the previous year, it is a total reboot. I mean, there's garbage in, garbage out, but you do have to, because you have to start all over. And you if you make the mistake of thinking like, okay, we're just going to add a few pieces and we're going to pick up right where we left off. We were 10 and six last year. If we add a couple of pieces, we'll just go to 12 and four. It just right. does not work that way, man, does it? No, definitely not. So... Um, that's been one of the things I've been most depressed with, with Jacksonville was watching, you know, obviously the Leonard Fournette situation where he's out and you got this young back in James Robinson, who I loved through the, the draft process and he's kicking butt through two weeks and, uh, DJ Chark and, and the chemistry that he had with Gardner Minshew and then being able to sustain all of that while bringing Jay Gruden into the mix. So that kind of transcending Gruden's addition to the coaching staff, like Jacksonville's got a lot of cool subplots in this one-on-one start. They do have a lot of cool subplots. And uh, from afar, I, I have been, you know, banging my head on the table trying to figure out what Miami subplots are because I was really, really confused last year how Minka Fitzpatrick wasn't a fit. And, and the reason I say that is because Brian Flores comes from the Nick Saban tree and he's the defensive coach. Uh, Well, he comes from the Bill Belichick tree and Nick Saban comes from the Bill Belichick tree Mm -hmm. and Minka Fitzpatrick played for Nick Saban. So when you start making all these connections, you're like, 
well, how come he isn't a fit? Or maybe he isn't that good. And then he goes to Pittsburgh and he looks like an all pro. So you're just wondering, like, how do you get rid of a young talent like that? And, and he's not a fit. What, what are you trying to accomplish? So you're just kind of banging your head on the table. And then Raekwon McMillan's gone. So I'm just going to ask you, what are they, what are they, what are they trying to do? And, and where are they trying to go? Are, are they just trying to, is it, let's just keep going and plugging away at it until we get it right. Cause I'm going to tell you, that's exactly what happened here in Jacksonville. And they got, they got so many mulligans here and it finally started to look right, but they got eight years, man. They got, they got, you talk about a cat having nine lives. They've had 15. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm just trying to figure out what exactly is going on there because I can't really put my finger on the pulse of it from three, you know, three and a half hours away. Well, as far as the Minka situation, the Dolphins very much so wanted Minka to be a piece of the puzzle for them. And Minka was not pleased, and, and he came out over the summer and, and did a, a, a story. He helped Tyler Dunn write a story. It was from Minka's perspective, the trade for Miami and what went wrong and then what went right in Pittsburgh. And Minka took great exception to the fact that the Dolphins were playing him in a lot of a coverage role in man-to-man against tight ends because the Dolphins want good tacklers in the secondary and they want guys that are versatile and they want guys that can play man to man and roll down in the box at any point. And Minka, you could tell even through the training camp last year, he was getting frustrated by being put in positions that he didn't feel like were putting him in the best position to succeed. But really from the Dolphins perspective, they were trying to get him reps at what he needed to get better at. We know you can play single high free safety Minka, but we need you to get better so that we can be multiple in the back end. And if, the, if a team comes out in two tight end sets or they're going to come out and they're going to motion, like we don't want to be switching and running guys back and forth. We want you to be able to roll down into the box and play that role. So then the, the ugly start happened where they lost 59 to 10 and they lost 43 to nothing because they tore their entire team down. And Mika said, yeah, you know what? I'm out of here, man. Like, I don't want to be a part of this. I think you guys are, are not headed in a direction that I like. So mm-hmm. Flores, the owner, the GM, they all met with Minka several times over a stretch of about two weeks trying to smooth it over and be like, listen, like, you're still a part of our plans, but we have been trying to get you better at the areas that we think you need to improve upon. And he just wasn't having it. So that, that was a tough pill to swallow because that week two loss that the Dolphins just suffered, I can tell you this. If Minka Fitzpatrick's playing free safety and not Bobby McCain, the Dolphins win that football game week two. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. It, you know, and looking back at in hindsight, it really makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, you're right about that. Uh, a lot of it, a lot has been made about the beard versus the mustache mm-hmm. uh, at quarterback. At, at this point, you know, in the offseason, when I looked at the schedule, I thought that we would be seeing Tua. And then next week we'd be seeing Joe Burrow and we, we'd have a, a, a good litmus test or a good measuring stick for Gardner Minshew to say, no, I belong with these young cats. Well, Minshew's playing and, 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 and Tua's not playing. What's the timetable, do you believe, uh, for, for Tua to get on the field? And what does Fitzpatrick have to do to hold on to the job? Yeah, I think well, Fitzpatrick needs to start winning here in a hurry. Um, I think if the Dolphins lose this game, there's a realistic chance because you have 10 days until the next game, which is at home against Seattle, who doesn't have a great organic pass rush to test your offensive line. If you're 0-3, I think, I think with the extra time, the Dolphins should consider potentially making that change and taking advantage of that time. 
Um, but, you know, Fitzpatrick, he earned himself a lot of sweat equity and trust in the coaching staff with the way that he handled the end of last year. So there's some loyalty there to Fitzpatrick and, and how he kind of energized and galvanized the entire team. So I understand why the Dolphins are taking their time. And with four new starters on the offensive line, they wanted to make sure that that unit was right before you take your number five overall pick and put him back there. But I'll say this, the, the Dolphins offensive line has been one of the pleasant surprises. And, and that's aided some by the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick is averaging 2.35 seconds from snap to release of the ball on his pass attempts through the first two weeks. So this ball comes out fast. But as two is watching that and he's seeing that and he's seeing the benefits of, well, Fitzpatrick really isn't getting knocked around because he's getting the ball out of his hand so fast. As Tua embraces that dynamic, which was not something he did a lot at Alabama, and he applies that to his own game, I think that's when the Dolphins will be ready and confident that it's time to go. But if, if you're 0-3, you might as well start getting him those valuable reps now. No doubt about it. All right, it's Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins talking to Tony Wiggins from Locked On Jaguars as we do an I-95 crossover edition. Kyle's going to drill me a little bit. We're going to learn a little bit about each other's opponents tonight for uh, the, the guys out there that are unfamiliar with what they expect to see tonight. And we'll do that. So buckle your seatbelts up as we continue the crossover edition of Miami and Jacksonville. We'll do that in just a second here on crossover, Locked On Jaguars and Locked On Dolphins. All right, so it's crossover edition between the uh, opponents for tonight's game on Thursday night in front of a national audience. Well, the Dolphins will take on the Jaguars in Jacksonville. It's locked on Dolphins, locked on Jaguars, doing this thing together. And I need to tell you who our show sponsors are today, and that's my bookie. You need to invest in your intuition and use the promo code Locked On and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play. Woo! Designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Your winning season begins today only at my bookie. So, Kyle, I got to tell you this, man. I, I picked the Jaguars to kind of wipe the floor with the Dolphins tonight, and, and I might have been a little presumptuous because I don't know much about the team. So I'm going to give you the floor, man, so we, we can talk a little bit. I'll tell you about us, and, and you go ahead and take over and uh, shoot away, man. Yeah, let's let's talk about this because I don't I don't know about wipe the floor, but I honestly would not be surprised if Jacksonville wins the game tonight. I wouldn't. I think Jacksonville's playing inspired ball. And I think one of the things that I'm most impressed with when I look at Jacksonville's roster is despite the fact that there has been turnover, obviously Fournette and Jalen Ramsey and losing so many pieces on that defense, Calais Campbell. Tony, you got like some dudes on this defense still. I'm looking at the front seven with Josh Allen and Miles Jack, Joe Schobert signing, Kayla Von Chason was one of my favorite prospects in this year's draft. How have those guys looked and performed through the first two weeks of the season? Because I know what I thought of those guys before. I know what I thought of Miles Jack and Joe Schobert from the past NFL seasons, but like, what has their impact been on this Jacksonville defense thus far? It, well, it's been good, and it, but it, here's the thing. It's been surprising because it's looked different. And they've only had one sack this year, and they haven't gotten the, the customary pressure that they're used to getting because they don't have Yannick Ngakwe. They don't have Calais Campbell. Josh Allen hasn't had a sack yet. They, the, the thought coming into this season, Kyle, is that they, you know, that they weren't going to be able to stop the run because they weren't able to do it last year very well and uh, at all so 
they signed some guys in free agency, you know, a couple of defensive tackles and, and, and uh, one, one guy, Rodney Gunner, he had to semi-retire because of a heart condition. He was a big free agent signing from Arizona that they signed. And then they, uh, they signed a guy from Seattle. His name escapes me right now. Um, long Al Woods, a long time uh, guy at LSU. And then Al Woods opted out. So, and then they got another guy, Dontavis Russell, who's a second-year player that has set out the year because of injury. So they started to lose defensive linemen, the very guys that they signed for that reason. And then Yannick Ngakwe got traded. Calais Campbell was traded away. So you're like, they're, they're still not going to be able to stop the run. They've been able to stop the run for the most part. They held Derrick Henry to under 100 yards last week. Uh, they did a good job in the second half against the Colts in week one. But because of that, they've had to sacrifice pass rush. And the pass rush has not been getting home early. They've been a bend but don't break defense. They've played poorly in the first half, but then they've played okay in the second half. And, and they've limited the opportunities of the other team in the second half. And that's why they've had these second half comebacks. But it's looked different. They want to get more pressure. We have to see if they can walk and chew bubblegum at the same time. If they're going to get more pressure, do they sacrifice the run? And do they have to sell out to stop the run? And do they sacrifice pressure? So that's what you're going to see. That, you know, that, that's an interesting parallel between these two teams is Miami's pass rush has not been effective either. And I don't know if it's because the Dolphins in the, the, the summertime had, were talking about you know, we're going to do design blitz packages, very Bill Belichickian style. You know, we're going to put all these guys up on the line of scrimmage and we're going to overload one side and try and trick you into calling incorrect protections and slide away from where we're actually bringing the extra guy. And that hasn't really shown up yet for Miami. And Miami has been a team that in week one, the Patriots decided, hey, we want to run the ball down Miami's throats. And right. they did to 217 yards. And then week two, Buffalo says, hey, we want to throw the ball all over the yard against the Dolphins. Well, they did. Josh Allen had first career 400-yard passing game last week against the Dolphins. And it was – I thought the Dolphins' run defense was better, but they've been getting torched with play-action passing. And a lot of the reason is they have been running so much just straight man coverage, and they can't get home. Right. So you're, there's no pressure, and you're playing straight man asking guys to cover for five seconds. So I think the Dolphins will probably – you'll see the Dolphins play a little bit more zone mixed in in week three against Jacksonville to try and combat – you know, if we're not going to get home, then we might as well commit to stop in the pass and get a little bit of value in our secondary. But then you get into, okay, now we need to see for real if this Dolphins defensive line, if the week two matchup against Buffalo was just because Buffalo decided they didn't need to run the ball or if Jacksonville is going to be able to replicate some of that success, because if they can get Miami off balance against play action, if the dolphins are going to switch to play more zone to compensate for a lack of pass rush. Now you may be in the same kind of conflict that Jacksonville sounds like they've been in, in the first two weeks where it's, it's either one or the other, but you're not going to be able to do both. Yeah. And, and I tell you what, if you can't rush Gardner Minshew, you're in trouble because he has a plethora of weapons to throw the ball to. And he's, and he's very mobile. And he actually, how do I put this? It's weird because he's not as good throwing the ball while he's on the run, but he is very good at creating plays when he's off schedule. You know, there's a difference. On the run is one thing, but getting off schedule, 
and resetting outside of the pocket. Mm-hmm. He's very, he's very, very good at that. So the thing is, is it's going to be up to guys like Shaq Lawson. And, and like you said, if they can't get pressure and then Byron Jones not being there, it's going to hurt them because DJ Chark is a superstar waiting to happen. DJ Chark and Devontae Parker, take away Devontae Parker's injuries. DJ Chark and Devontae Parker have a very similar body type. And they also mm-hmm. have a very similar career track where they were expected to, even though one was a first-round pick, one was a second-round pick, they were expected to do a lot. They didn't do a lot early. And then all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, they, they have these catch radiuses. They, they, they're professionals. Chalk, Chalk is the real deal. And you'll see it tonight, man. He can really, really play. And LaVisca Chenault, this, this rookie that's built like Andre Johnson and Anquan Bolden, is is somebody that they use as an offensive weapon that that is the real deal so they, they're going to be a tough if you can't get home and you have young guys trying to guard them that they're, they're a hard hard team to play because jay gruden does a really really good job of mixing and matching and getting the ball out of gardner's hand really really quick so that that's probably why i chose the jaguars to win the game because of what you just said with with, with not getting pressure and the fact that byron jones is injured yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to the Xavier Howard-DJ Chark matchup because Miami will probably take some opportunities to shadow him. They elected not to do that when Byron Jones went out last week against Stephon Diggs. But as you said, Chark is a little bit more of a familiar body type for Xavier Howard, who's gone against Devontae Parker at practices, the CB1 versus the wide receiver one for a couple of years. So Stephon Diggs has that ability to really put you in a blender where Chark is – this really pleasantly surprising, smooth, big guy, but he's not that Stefan Diggs jitterbug type in short spaces. So I think Miami, though they elected not to put Howard on Diggs last week, I expect, especially without Byron Jones, you'll see Xavier against DJ Chark and those opportunities down the field. When, when Gardner takes those couple shots, those are going to be really fun battles to see downfield. It will. If you, if you guys in Miami haven't seen a lot of him, the one complaint I've always had of A.J. Green is A.J. Green got all of his yards between the hash mark and the sideline. Well, D.J. Chark is like A.J. Green who eats up the entire route tree, even in the middle of the field. And so watch that tonight when you look at him and tell me. I know you do a lot of draft stuff, and I kind of pride myself on that. Kind of hit me up and say, Tony, you kind of hit that one on the head. And tell me, ah, even if you don't see it, tell me, ah, I don't see it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see that way. All right, man, so we got a fun game tonight. Uh, one of the keys, uh, Josh Lambeau, who I believe is one of the top two kickers along with Justin Tucker in the N- NFL. He's out. He's on injured reserve. Brandon Linder uh, is not available for this game, who's probably one of the top seven or eight centers. Josh Lambeau could kick uh, – if he was in Boca Raton, he could make field goals uh, in, in, to Miami, to Hard Rock. So he, he can't, he, he's, he's not available tonight. That may come into play because they just brought somebody in here yesterday. And I don't know the brother's name. He kind of looks like, he looks like one of those R&B singers, man, that, that, used to, oh, no. that used to be with the barge or something. But I don't know his name, but he, uh, <laughs> good luck to him kicking on a Thursday night if the game comes down to a field. Everybody's watching. Right, everybody's watching. So, uh, Kyle, man, it's been fun. I know you had an adventurous day, an adventurous night last night, and we, uh, we're glad you made it safely, man. And uh, Locked on Jaguars and Locked on Dolphins. Uh, it's going to be fun, man, and uh, I'll be hitting you up, and you and your fans enjoy the game. Right on. Same to you, Tony. Appreciate it. All right, thanks a lot. Kyle Krabs from Locked on Dolphins, Tony Wiggins from Locked on Jaguars. You guys enjoy the game, and remember you can subscribe to this podcast on Google Podcasts as well as Follow along on Spotify and bring your friends to subscribe on Apple 
and iTunes as well. Take care of each other, and we'll see you guys again on these daily podcasts here on Locked On NFL.